Wednesday, everyone. Welcome to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I want to let you know about a few books that are releasing this week. Um, Hunt Them Down by Simon Gervais is out. Joe Clifford's The One That Got Away. Patty Smiley's book, Trish Smiley, I should say. Her book is um, called The Second Goodbye. It's just a terrific book she was just on. And my my guest now in the second hour of, of this show, Matt Coyle's new book, Wrong Light, the next in his Rick Cahill series is out. Um, I want to remind everyone that our Book of the Year awards are on the 19th of this month, uh, live at 8 o'clock. It'll also be a podcast. We have um, five authors up for Book of the Year. Um, you can go to my Facebook page at authors on the air and see or mine for Pam Stack and see who the uh, authors that are nominated are. Also about a month from now, uh, James Lee Burke makes his annual visit back and this year he'll be interviewed by uh, Revis Wortham. So two dashing, smart, talented cowboy writers on one show. He can't beat that with a stick. Um, My guest now, Matt Coyle, is also a colleague of mine. He hosts the podcast Crime Corner, um, which talks about crime, thriller, and writing in all its incarnations and through different lenses than normally someone like me, who is not a writer, would would look at it. Um, he has written his he's won several awards for his Rick Cahill series. He's going to tell you all about those. Um, he's a San Diegoan, and I think that's how you say it. I'll, I'll ask. Um, his latest book is called Wrong Light. I want to welcome back to Authors on the Air my friend Matt Coyle. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's San Diegans, by my the way. My pleasure. San Diegans, is that how you say it? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know what I am. I'm a Fort Myerian. A Fort, you know, I have no idea. I'm just a, yeah. a Southwest Floridian, I guess. Um, how's your weather out there? It is overcast and rainy. I, I love it. Wow. Um, I'm looking out over my lake, and it's absolutely clear blue skies, not a cloud, uh, a small breeze, and it's about 65 degrees. It's probably one of the best days to be in South Florida. You know, it sure beats summer. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've congratulations. Yeah, you have been. You were here if we were yeah. saw each other at Bouchercon. It's um and and that was really not even the summer. <laughs> that was in September. So, uh that was pretty mild compared to how it has been. Um well, congratulations well, I like the fact on the you release. Can get a, you can get a free sign out. I like the fact you can get a free sauna whenever you walk outside. Right. <laughs> um yeah. I have warned everyone anyway. who was going to, to BoucherCon St. Pete that the the best way to arrive is in shorts and, and a short sleeve t- shirt and, you know, sneakers or flip-flops. And I don't know if you saw when, when you were doing the, the uh, remote interview with me, I don't know if you saw when Ace walked in, Ace Atkins walked in, shorts, Hawaiian shirt, and flip-flops, and a cocktail mm-hmm. with an umbrella yeah. in it. So, <laughs> you know. It's it's the only way to dress when you're in Southwest Florida. Hey, Matt, um, congratulations on the new book, Wrong Light. I, I like the title. I know that titles are one of your big headaches. You've told me this before. Um, how did you come up with this one? Uh, they, they generally tend to come organically, and um, this one came that way, too. I think it was near the end of the book. Um, it, it does come up. That term does come up uh, in the very mm-hmm. near the very end, and uh, it, mm-hmm. it works. Um, it kind of works. 
kind of works overall for Rick because he is in some ways under a wrong light. So um, I was I was hap- happily uh, surprised that I was able to come up with it. You know, it's um, I was reading. We talk about this in the green room, but I was reading some of your editorial blurbs from from other writers and um, Katrina McPherson, who's who I'm a big fan of. Um, she actually was on not too long ago and will be coming back as a guest host. Um, wrote this about Wrong Light, part Pacey thriller and part fair play puzzle. Wrong Light delivers, even if you read it as a page turner alone. But delve a little deeper, and there's so much more. Coyle honors the gumshoe tradition but confounds expectations. He both celebrates and laments masculinity, and he writes that with respect of the price of his hero pays for it for the life he lives. It is really on point that Katrina wrote that on point about your character. Um, Rick's had a rough tumble in his life. Some of his own making some not. And um, the thing that strikes me every time I read one of your books is there is a, a, a subtle change in his personality because of what he has been dealt with and what he has to deal with. Are you doing that intentionally or do you, does it happen to you organically? Uh, yeah. First of all, I'm very uh, happy to have Katrina, who I respect and like a lot, um, give me such a great blurb. And, and like you said, she absolutely Amazing. nailed what I was trying to do. Uh, yeah, it's kind of it's both. It does it does come um, somewhat organically, but there is intention because the whole idea of the Rick Cahill series is that um, uh, mistakes matter. Any bad decision you make has uh, repercussions, and, and Rick feels those, and so. They, after a while, they they inform his character. So, um, plus he's got the, because of a decision he made early in, in the backstory of the first book mm-hmm. uh, that contributed that contributed to his wife's um, death. He's striving for redemption throughout the series, which he. He, he may have actually, if you're looking from the outside, you may have thought that, well, he sort of achieved it, but in, internally he, he can't get there. He can never feel redemption. So um, it puts him on a track for um, a lot of uh, uh, striving kind of desperately sometimes that can uh, lead to some bad decisions, which, of course, have more repercussions. Right. It's interesting to me how um... – how writers do use experience to shape their characters, personalities and their psyche and so on. Why don't the good things that happen to the character make as big of an impact? Do you, have you ever thought about that, Matt? Probably not enough. I think my ex-wife used to think about it a lot um, in relation to me, but, uh, I uh, I don't know. I tend to maybe look in the negative too much um, for Rick. Well, for Rick, there hasn't been a whole lot of uh, good things uh, in the last few years. So there there is a, there was a kind of a little on the roller coaster ride of his life. There was a little upturn after um, a book or two, but um, he's it's this it's this quest that's pathological now quest for redemption that he'll never achieve you know, looking internally. And, um, so that just leads to, uh, I don't know, kind of a dark view of life. 
Yeah, he's not a broken. He's not a broken down character, though. This is not a man who's broken. He is more driven, I think. Do is that correct? Yeah, I'd say it's it's. I wouldn't call him broke. Well, I wouldn't call him broken, but um, he's definitely driven. That's for sure. He he. Uh, when he gets, he's a bulldog. When he gets on the trail, he's going to follow it until the until uh, the outcome. Uh, but that can go, that can cut both ways. That can be a good and a bad to that because for him, of course he lives by the, he lives by the code of his father. Sometimes you have to do what's right. Even when the law says it's wrong, coupled with his own sense of having to find the truth and whatever matter. And when you put those two together um, with his passion for it, there can be some bad decisions. It's, it's warring influences there for sure. Um, I want to talk to you when you write, um, Matt. I know that um, you will become a full-time writer very soon, but um, mm. do you think that that will change your process of writing any, or will it make you a more prolific writer? Um, will you not stay up late and, and, and write or only write on weekends? What will change with, with the way that you're writing? Well, I think I'll have to uh, find a schedule. I, I'm pretty scheduled now where I work after my day, right after my day job in the evenings, and I do write on the weekends. But I think I'll have to find a pattern that works. I'll obviously be writing earlier in the day. I think the major benefit it will be for uh, for my energies. I'm getting older, um, surprisingly enough, and I think it will be a benefit to me to have all my energies focused in one direction. So I will obviously I'll have more time to write throughout the day, which is great. Uh, but I also have more time to do marketing, which is such a part of, of uh, this uh, life, especially if you're, if you're not Michael Connolly or, or Jeff Parker or, um, you know, some of the other great early right. childs, what have you. If you're my level, you have to do your marketing. You're doing all your marketing on your own, basically. Not all. I mean, you hire people to do things, but and you get a little bit of help from your publisher, but uh, there's a lot, there's always something, especially right now when I've had a book just come out and I've been leading up to it for the past, you know, a couple months, there's mm-hmm. always something you can be do mar- marketing wise. So that will help. Um, it'll open up a lot of opportunities for, um, you know, maybe some travel throughout the week and, and hit some book clubs or libraries that I haven't been able to do. While I've been, uh, working. Um, you are very active in going to book signing events and supporting your other your fellow writers in your San Diego neighborhoods. Um, will you ramp that up some? I don't know how I can ramp it. I mean, I do. I like you say. I, I I'm a fan. First of all, of course, I was a fan of mystery before uh, I ever started writing them. So right. um, I go. You know, I go. I go a lot. Uh, might open up a few things. Maybe if occasionally I want to, maybe if somebody like um, CJ box or, or Michael Connolly who don't always want their tours, they don't always send them down to San Diego. Sometimes I'll just send them up to orange County, which is a 90 minutes away from where I live, depending on the, on the uh, traffic. What, is, what city so is orange be, County? Cause that means nothing to me. What, what is that? Los Angeles? South of LA. South, oh, okay. south of LA, okay. probably okay. 30 miles. Okay. Yeah. And, Depending on the traffic, you know, it could take it could take eighty minutes. It could take two hours, two and a half yeah. hours. Uh, yeah. But 
but I, I, I don't think that'll, that'll change too much in terms of who I go and see, because I'm, I'm always a fan out there anyway. I, I go to probably, I don't know, 20 plus book signings a year, maybe more. Wow. That's great. Um, you know, we've talked a little bit about what you would, would, would tell aspiring writers. Um, I think you told me, write, first of all. That's the number one thing is just to write. Over the course of your career, you know, you've interacted with a lot of other writers. Are you still learning new things, Matt, when you listen to what other writers have to say? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, What's the best new thing that you learned? Yeah, I want to hear what the best thing you just learned is. Well, I don't know if I have a best thing I just learned because uh, hopefully I absorbed it into my subconscious and I've, I've probably mm-hmm. already forgotten it and to be able to voice. But I, uh, Lou Burney, who's a great writer. Um, yep. you, I'm sure you know Lou Burney. He's an yeah. Edgar Award winner. Uh, his yeah. latest book well, – this, this is for the audience. His latest book, uh, November Road, just came out. And right. he was at da- down here at Warwick's about, I don't know, about three weeks ago. He was interviewed. Mm-hmm. He was interviewed by um, Don Winslow, which is really cool. So we got to really? Winslow and, and wow. Bernie go back and forth. Yeah, it was really a great interview. And just he he said something interesting about the book he was writing, where uh, he had started in a completely different uh, direction, where he was going to have it was going to be about a hitman, and then he's right he's writing and going. I don't know how many pages he said he'd gotten into it or how many words, but he realized this he couldn't take it in the direction he wanted to be so the hitman still had a huge part but he kind of flipped the story completely and uh made the hit the, you know the hitman was now the bad guy obviously and tracking a well the hero or actually kind of a um anti-hero but uh the idea that let your let your creative juices take you where they're going to take you, and if you're down the wrong track, you can always, you know, fix it. Yeah, I think I was just reading someone mentioned they got thirty thousand words into their manuscript and said, "Nope, it's not working. I got to do something different." And I, that's a lot of work. That's almost half a book right there. And uh, so I find it fascinating that someone is so dedicated to the craft that they will pitch 30,000 words or, you know, scavenger pick through those words and turn it into something else. Um, do you ever have false starts when you're sitting down to write? Certainly, certainly. And it, I tend to not worry about them that much on the first draft. I'm right now editing uh, the book that's I'm going to turn in very soon, which will be the Rick Cahill number six. And I've uh, my cat wants to say well, hello. I'm sorry, <laughs> Cookie, please be quiet. <laughs> She's the size of a horse. I swear to God, it's not like I can just like shove her under the bed or something. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go it's, ahead. It's a good meow. <laughs> She's um, a talker. <laughs> um, so you were doing edits. You're talking about the new book. Oh yeah, that you were and, doing I, edits I, on. and and. When I'm writing that first draft, I, I let the creative juices take the, take me where they go. I've, I've actually posted on Facebook that I'm pretty sure that I just wrote uh, a chapter or a scene that I'm not going to use in the book, but I had to write it to get to where I need to be going. And then as I'm editing now, I'm seeing all those 
getting to where I need to be going that I'm taking out. And I've taken, taken out about 10,000 words in the last uh, week of uh, what will be the wow. first revision of this book. Yeah, wow. I'm taking out more than that. I'll probably, I'll probably do another five to seven, and then I'll probably add another three to five, somewhere in there. Wow. That's a, a lot more. of words to be picking over. But, yeah, I understand what you're saying that, um, you know, you think it's going to work, so you write it down there. I, I am constantly amazed, and I'm sure you've spoken to some authors who do this too, who say, you know, I, I think about my book for a long time, and I kind of map it out in my head, and then I just go and write it. And I don't ever do revisions on it afterward. It's just the way I want it. I'm stunned by that. You know, I can't get an email out saying hello to someone without going back and spell checking. And usually I've still done it wrong, you know, <laughs> but um, it, it's so interesting to me how different it is. Do you any type of an outline at all? Not a detailed one, but an out, outline, maybe chapter by chapter or a story arc of some sure. sort. First, I want to address spell checking. It doesn't catch from and and uh, form, which is a killer for me. Anyway, um, I, don't, I don't think I've typed. I don't think I've typed from accurately in about five years. Um, right. It's always form. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I don't. I, I my my process is uh, organic. I'll call it organic, and it gets uh, looser and looser with each book, which is not really the way it's supposed to go, I think, but I've learned to trust it. So there's probably less. I used to do a skeletal outline. I don't even do that anymore. I have an idea where I want to go. I have an inciting incident and then I just start writing. And then thus at the end of the nine months or so or 10 months, you got to start taking out 8,000, 10,000 words or, or more. Uh, so I, 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 I do have plot. I, what I do do as I'm getting near the end is I'll make a list of things that I have to do that I may not be thinking of as I'm writing. I go, oh, yes, I need to do this and this and this. This is what I have left to do in the book. And But I don't outline – a woman who uh, taught writing classes I took years and years ago, who actually leads my writer's group right now, Carolyn Wheat, she said way back when that – basically an outliner and a blank pager or a seat of the pantry will write about the same amount of words, but that the outliner does it ahead of time and, and they'll use about the same amount of time. Some outliners will take months and months to get to, to right. get the story exactly how they want it. And then they just write it. They just, you know, they take the instructions and, then and just write it. Whereas, right. yeah, right. I've tried that. I actually tried that on a revision of one of the many revisions on my first book, which became yesterday's echo. I tried that, and it just didn't work for me, so I gave it up. I just rely on this very messy process I have, and I do trust it now, and I go with it. Well, that's I think good. If I, write, um, if I write a standalone, I might have a different path to go, but when I'm writing Rick, this is the way I'm going to do it. Right. Well, he's kind of in – he's at a cellular level for you, so it makes sense to me. Um When you said you're keeping a list of the things you have to do, are you – tying up loose ends or leaving some ends dangling? Are you, are you, you know, closing loopholes in story? Um, are you putting a period on it or do you want to leave some things unanswered, some questions in the reader's mind? Well, I think if you if you've read Rick and I know you have, that there are all yes. generally something dangling at the end of each book, which right. Um, is is a daring daring way to do it, but 
It is generally it is it is actually um, uh, um, sort of fill, uh, con, con, um, completing the loop in a lot of things. And oh yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. I dropped this in because of my process is so open and I drop anchors with new ideas that sometimes they go somewhere, sometimes they don't. And I go well, I have to link that up or, or take it out. So there's some of that. And then when when I'm reading it through after the first draft is done, um, I'm just making a lot of notes and a lot of X's out. Roll X out whole chapters at times but uh yeah it's basically yeah you need to get back here you need to figure this out um and do you like die, of course right well of course because that's what your books are about mm. is you know finding the bad guy hey listen matt do you like writing the when you're sitting down and writing are you like happy to be sitting down and writing or is it kind of a labor of love instead I'm I'm happy that I have this is something that I finally know that I'm supposed to be doing that I'm doing it. The uh, process itself is can be painful, but in but even on the bad days, I'd rather be doing that. No, it, for me, it's a it's a it's painful. There, there's there aren't that many days where things are just flowing and it's all wonderful. Um, generally, it's a bit of a struggle, but but if I, generally it, I, if I stay at it long enough in each session there will be a flow that comes. And some days you think, God, I just don't, especially when you write like I do, where you don't have an outline. You think, I don't, I don't know what the hell I'm going to say today. I, I'm stuck. And then you just sit there and you stare at the computer and you think that you suck and you're, you're, what you're writing sucks and, you know, <laughs> life sucks. And then you just do that for a half hour and then you hunt and peck for another half hour. And then all of a sudden you get into a flow and your subconscious takes over. And sometimes those days honestly are the best where, I really don't think I have anything to say today. I I'm, don't know where this is going. And then after an hour, you get another two hours of uh, really letting it flow. So, it, it, it you know, the whole process varies. And um, I'm writing book six now, so I, I have this um, sense of confidence that if you were in my head, it might not make sense considering the way – process works but i have learned to trust the whole thing by now i have been right you mentioned about rick being at cellular level it took me i think 11 years to get published i've been writing rick for 17 years i think wow somewhere in there wow i didn't realize that <laughs> i didn't realize yeah. that wow <laughs> i didn't know that but you put out a book a year um do you think now you're with now will you will you step that up or or no. Well, that's a good Being question. a full-time, uh, you know, I, I, yeah, it, that, it, you have I a lot more time to write, but does that mean you want to write more books or do you want to enjoy the writing process and not worry about the half hour that you're, you know, hunting and pecking and waiting for the flow to happen? Well, I would definitely like to write more books i don't think i'll ever be a two book a year guy things could change i don't know because i'll i am going into new ground here where i have i've been where i'll be able to put all my focus on one thing but i for me that even when i i have time the it's i need i need a while for things to kind of percolate mm-hmm. through the process but i do think yeah. that i'll get to the point where i can where i can maybe write three good books in two years not not make not Maybe not every two years, but get to the point where I can write three good books in two years as opposed to two a year. Let's talk about Wrong Light 
bring us up to date on what's happening with Rick Cahill in, in book number five. Well, at the he's been hired by a uh, talk radio station in San Diego to try to find this guy who has been harassing their star. They have a, they have a star uh, talk radio host. Her name is Naomi Hendricks, and she's pulling in like five times the ratings anybody else gets at the stadium. So she's really lifted the stadium, the stadium, I mean, station up on her shoulders. I mean, she's, you know, she's, they need her desperately and they need her to be happy. And she's under the, they're trying to negotiate a new contract. And the management has called the police, and they're not really convinced that this guy is of danger. And so they call Rick, and, uh, you know, Rick's sense of, uh, of uh, wrong and twisted, maybe a little more acute than some. And mm-hmm. he thinks this guy Pluto, he thinks this guy Pluto with, his, with, with the letters he's written and the last message he's left her on, on their a mess, an answering machine, he thinks this guy's starting to um, accelerate his action. Yeah. So he takes the case and in investigating the case, he learns that this Naomi, who's very sexy, but very uh, mysterious and, and very close off about her, uh, her background. He learns that there's a reason she's um, been hiding her background, that she's hiding it not only from her, her employers, but from the police. And Rick thinks that this Pluto guy has come out of, he could, this guy could have come from this past so he's trying to get more information from her, and she's not very forthcoming. And plus, there's a little hint of perhaps romance, a hint. And when all this is going on, he's during the investigation, he gets embroiled in a um, missing persons case, which he thinks he may be responsible for because of actions he took and didn't take. So, of course, when Rick feels responsible for something, he's going to get to the bottom of it. He has a pathological need to get to the to try to make things right and whether he can or not and that bumps him up against the police department not the la jolla police department for a change but the san diego police department and he doesn't have a really he he, he doesn't have a bad reputation i mean he doesn't have a bad experience with them but he does have his you know the cahill reputation this guy's a guy right away with murder plus this cop thinks he is the detective on the case thinks he's just in it for notoriety and press which of course is not at all what rick's in it for so right. I'll give just the last, the last bit on the story is when all this is going on, Rick's got a lot of things on his plate already. Someone from his past, uh, an enemy from his past resurfaces and demands um, he pay back a debt with his services uh, and things get worse from there. He's, um, he's got a lot on his plate, doesn't he? He does. You know, the, the, this when I wrote uh, Wrong Light, I mean, I'm sorry, when I wrote Blood Truth, it had two A plot lines, and I consciously did that, and and it seemed to go out of turn out okay. For this book, I did it again um, because once again, for as I said earlier, there's things dangle over for Rick. There's baggage that carries over, and I wanted to seal that all off in this book so Rick would basically be well. Not really. He's not really starting from scratch in the next book. But I wanted to close a couple of loops. And right. most people are good with it. I've had maybe a couple of reviews that said it could have been better if, but most people really like it. So it's a challenge, but um, maybe I needed a challenge. It's the coin toss that you've decided to take, you know. You mentioned right. just briefly that there may be a hint of a romance 
Um, are you comfortable writing romantic scenes or sex scenes in your books? I don't, you know, I don't recall that you've ever done that, but um, would you be comfortable doing that if, if Rick were to become involved with someone? Well, I think I'd really have to go from a distant memory because I haven't had sex in so long. But, um, <laughs> yes, this uh, is a actually, live show, and it will be a podcast, too. <laughs> yeah. I have written, I've have written some sex scenes. I don't ever want to get explicit in the sex scenes. I, I made that decision a long time ago. In the first book there, I think there's actually, and, and yesterday's echo, I think there's actually two sex scenes, but they're not explicit in any way. But I, I, do, I do think they're sensual and there's feeling in them. And I think there was this, there was a sex scene in my third book, uh, Dark Fishers. Um, I'm not going to say whether there's a sex scene in this book or not. But I don't write explicit sex. I don't really have any interest in that. Uh, but I do try to get the feeling, because uh, this, this is a pretty desperate guy, Rick. And uh, he's off, off camera. He's had plenty of uh, short romances or one night stands. But if I'm putting sex in a story for him, if he's uh, involved with a woman, there has to be meaning for him. So there's always a lot of internal for him. I want right. it to mean something, but I don't, I don't right. get into the, the act specific, you know, in great detail. Do you see yourself writing yeah, him a romantic, a romantic partner that might stay around for a while? It's a possibility. I'll just say that. Good. <laughs> Good. Um, tell everybody where they can find you on the webs, please. Uh, MattCoilBooks.com. Uh, I'm on Facebook, all over the place. Uh, I, I don't. I really. I know how to retweet on Twitter. I'm at, at Coil M C O Y E. L-E-M, and that's about it. One thing I do when I uh, stop the day job is I intend to perhaps up my Twitter or get on Instagram and learn how to do that. Or, or yeah, Instagram, I think that's someone. Yeah. Well, I, need, uh, the I, mean, I don't really have time for this other stuff, but, but uh, yeah, the one with the pictures. I think the pictures make sense, so I think I'm going to do that, learn how to do that. Put Angus up there, the, the dogs of Instagram. Always. Um, you also have another. You also have another gig going on. You want to tell us about it? Me, my podcast. Crime, yeah. Crime, Hello. Crime Corner. Crime Corner. Crime, well, I thought you mentioned it. I thought you mentioned it earlier. Yeah, Matt Coyle. Uh, Crime Corner with Matt Coyle. Uh, I do. Um, that's one other thing I want to be more consistent with. I'm going to do that twice a month, uh, beginning in January. I'll be a lot more consistent. Than I've been able to be of late. Yeah, I, I really enjoy it. You were. I think the reason you gave it to me is because I used to call in your, when you have friends of mine on all the time and ask questions. And I think, I think I, I know I annoy the listeners. So I think you just wanted to give me a show and I'm very, I'm glad you did because I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. I have, I've, I've had some great authors that I've always respected, like um, Robert Price, T Jefferson Parker, among others. But I've also had a lot of authors that I've known for years that I put on and we talk about writing, but I've also had, I had, um, Caitlin Rother and Liz wheel. They wrote a book about Charles Manson and I want to, mm-hmm. I definitely want to spread into that. I want to get more into true crime, uh, as we go along with the, the mystery authors that I have on because true crime interests me. I do get ideas from it. And, um, there's a lot of really interesting of people involved. Really in interesting stories. Yes. Uh, we also have another show in the network that, that we broadcast in called a dark turn and that is a true crime uh, a true 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 crime podcast 
the host of that is an award-winning journalist who writes true crime and actually just came back from, I think, Czech Republic after tracking down a, a homicide of an American there. And uh, so it's a very interesting, very, very interesting uh, podcast as well. I, we're lucky to be in this network. And, um, and no, you have the show because you're a good interviewer, Matt. <laughs> That's why. Thank you. Listen, um, thank, you. thank you for being my guest today. Congratulations on the release of Wrong Light, the Root Cahill series, book number five. I wish you all success with it. And um, I wish you and Angus a happy holiday. Thanks, and to you. <laughs> thanks. And that's our show for today, Thank folks. Thanks for being with me. And Matt, thanks for being with me. Um, I will talk to you soon. Thank you, Mom and Dad. Bye-bye. <laughs>